Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Episode something choices from season three. <laughs> um, so just a tiny little reminder, just in case um, you don't know, I recap rehash re-all the things every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. Because of the nature of that, if you're watching along with me, we're talking about choices tonight when Earshot should have been next. But 20 years ago, the week that ear the week after Earshot was supposed to come out, it's an episode dealing with the possibility of a school shooting, thwarting a school shooting. And, um, we didn't get to talk about it because it happened 20 years ago was when the Columbine murders happened. So since there had just been a real school shooting in America, they thought it would be insensitive to air that episode at that time, which is probably the right choice. I mean, that kind of stuff is, you know, sensitive. So we don't actually get to talk about Earshot for a few more months. I think like till September, we don't get to talk about it. But um, I just wanted to let you know, just in case you don't remember me talking about that before, that is why I'm skipping to choices. Um, didn't do it on purpose. It's just because of the nature of this project. So all that said, because I'm a process queen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you <laughs> what's going on with me. Um, things are going to be a little unconventional tonight. Um, because number one, it's kind of hard. Lately, we've had so many Buffy droughts. It's kind of like I get out of the habit of doing this podcast in the normal way. Um, plus on the Saturdays, since these episodes right now are falling on a Saturday every time, it's just kind of an inconvenient day to do this podcast. I mean, I'm committed to it and I love doing it. So there's no like, you know, I'm not complaining about it at all. I love doing this, but, um, it's just, sometimes it just doesn't work out great. So like, just cause I'm a process queen, I'll let you guys know. Um, today I worked and I closed, um, and then pretty much right after work, um, my Michael and I got some food and we went to see Avengers Endgame. So that is a three hour movie. And then we got home at, it was close to 11, might've been after 11, um, because the movie was from 7.30 to 10.30 and we drove a, a little bit out of our way, not like a lot because the movie theater in our town is the worst. <laughs> So we drove to like the next town over. Um, so it took us a little bit longer to get home than usual. And so it was probably like 11, 11, 15 when we got home and there were ants all over our, like this, we have like our oven is in like this little cove kind of by itself, like with a little bit of counter space. It's like separate from the rest of the kitchen, not really separate, but it's just the little cove that our oven was in. There were ants all over it because we have, we keep our honey right there. And we've had ant problems before, but they have never, ever, ever been in that little area. So, and we, we've, we've been very lucky because we keep our honey right there next to the tea kettle because <laughs> we put honey in our tea. 
but the luck had runneth out. So then like we deal with the ant apocalypse after watching a three hour movie. And then I go upstairs to watch the Buffy episode. So as I am now recording this, it is like 1245 at night or something. (laughs) So I'm going to be a little delirious. Um, It's been a long day. It's been a long goddamn week, man. There's been some ups and downs in my life for this week. If you want to hear more details about that, check out my, um, patron only podcast feed for any at any level of giving even if it's just a dollar a month you can listen to um my mixtress radio broadcasts as podcast episodes so you can just listen to them whenever you want um so if you're interested in that if you're interested interested in more details about what's going on with my life a little bit more of a taste of like the episode that i gave you guys last week um, that was an actual Mixtress Radio broadcast episode that's usually a patron-only episode. Um, if you're interested in that, the link for that is patreon.com slash mixtressray. Um, yeah, let's get into it. I do want to talk about Avengers a little bit. I kind of do, but I'm not going to because it's like people are really nervous about spoilers and it really has only been out like three weeks at this point. So, um... I want to talk about it at some point. So, um, when I do, I will give you guys warnings about spoilers and stuff, but I'm just not going to do it tonight because we got to talk about this episode. So here's the unconventional, what I'm going to do, and I've never done this before. I'm going to read you the entire text of the, um, from the episode guide Um, The Chosen Edition, Seven Seasons, One Book, Bite Me, The Unofficial Guide to Buffy the Vampire Slayer by Nikki Stafford. You guys know if you've been listening to this podcast with any kind of regularity that this is my favorite um, Buffy episode guide. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Just read the whole summary for you guys. I didn't do proper research mode tonight. Um, I just finished watching the episode again. I technically started it before midnight. So, um, it still falls within the range of me rewatching every episode 20 years after its original air date. I mean, I also watched it like a couple days ago too. Like I always watch the episodes at least twice, but, um, I didn't take notes the first time. So I did watch it technically on the day. I did not start the recording of this podcast on the day. I mean, I guess in some parts of the country, it is still the 4th of May, but anyway, I'm just going to do it this way. Um, cause I just don't know how cohesive my thoughts are. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you never know. This could, sometimes I make these kinds of disclaimers and then I talk for two hours. So I actually kind of hope not because it's already almost 1am right now. Um, and I do need to go to bed at some point cause I do have to work tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, original air date, May 4th, 1999, as we know, written by David Fury. He's one of the main writers of the Angel series. And actually, just side note, um, like I told you guys before, or if you don't remember, or if you didn't hear me say it before, I am planning on doing the same thing with the Angel series, except that I'm still going to watch every episode of the Angel series 20 years after its original air date, which means we will get to start talking about the Angel series in September, I believe, somewhere around there. 
Um, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be as serious about it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to, I might watch the episodes twice. I don't know. I'm not going to be as hardcore about it. I'm just going to kind of have like a little angel segment where I talk about what's going on with Angel a little bit because the Angel series is not, I've watched it all the way through at least twice, but it's just, it doesn't resonate with me as much. It has, it has some interesting moments. I do own the series. Um, I don't dislike it, but I'm just, I'm not going to be as hardcore with the recapping of Angel as I am with Buffy, but I am kind of excited because the very first time I ever saw Angel, I just bought the series. Um, I watched like the fifth season of Angel after Buffy was over. And I think that was the only season of Angel I watched as it was airing. Um, and then I, when the DVDs came out, I bought the whole series and that was, so the only times I've ever watched Angel are in like the modern ways that, you know, you watch TV, like in a binge kind of way, um, whenever I felt like it kind of thing. So I think it might be interesting because I've never really resonated that much with the Angel series. It might be kind of interesting to watch it in the context of this project of watching it in the same way, giving each episode the space that was given, you know, originally to how often it actually aired once a week or whatever. So I, it might, and me just like the nature of it, me just sort of paying a little bit more attention to it so I can talk to you guys about it. I wonder if I'll come away with that actually appreciating the series a little bit more or maybe quite the opposite. I don't know, but I'm kind of interested to find out. I'm kind of excited that I decided to do that. Um, I don't know how much more work that's really going to create for me. I'm really going to try to commit to not putting a ton of work into it like I do with the Buffy thing, because if I do that with two different shows, I mean, not only are these podcast episodes going to like get so much longer, but it's just going to be overwhelming for me uh, a little bit since I'm just a one person operation. But anyway, um, I'm really going to try to commit to really like doing like a, t a little segment and now it's time for Angel Watch and then talk about Angel, whatever that episode is for like five minutes. Of course, it won't be five minutes. It'll be more like 10 or 15, but hopefully I can actually keep it to 10 or 15 minutes instead of, you know, talking about Angel for half an hour and then Buffy for two, you know, like those are going to be long ass podcasts. You guys probably aren't in for that shit. <laughs> anyway, if you guys have any um, suggestions for what I should call my Angel segments, we've got some time to think about it. But if you have any suggestions, email me mixtressradio at gmail. Um, okay, let's get into it. So I just interrupted me reading from the episode guide to talk to you about Angel for 10 minutes. Oh yeah, because it's, this episode is written by David Fury, one of the main writers and creators of the Angel series. Directed by James A. Contner. Guest cast, I'm not going to read all that. Um, here's the little one sentence um, overview and then it goes into... It's only like four paragraphs, so I'm not going to be reading for forever. Faith retrieves a box for the mayor that is essential to his ascension. 
essential to his ascension, essential to his ascension. But when the gang tries to take it from him, Willow's life is put in jeopardy. Another one of those episodes where things happen to each of the characters that will spark future plot lines. That's true. Okay, I'm going to try to keep the commentary to the minimum. (laughs) But no promises. We find the unfortunate Cordelia working in a dress shop, and the reasons for this will eventually force her to L.A. rather than on to college. Xander discovers Jack Kerouac's novel On the Road, which inspires him to take his road trip. And the mayor has some words for Buffy and Angel that will send their relationship spiraling to its conclusion. But the hero of the story is Willow, who not only escapes the clutches of the mayor with some big news for the gang, but confronts Faith, who is bigger and stronger. And not one but two of her spells go just the way she wants them to. That's got to be some sort of record. Willow really comes through for everyone, never shows any fear, and her strength and cunning in this episode make Giles' words in Flooded seem so much more harsh. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's flashing forward right there. True words. As is obvious from its title, this episode is about choices. Faith becomes the mayor's full-fledged lackey by following through on some dicey business for him, and when she meets up with the Scooby gang and has the choice of moving back over to the good side, she walks out on them. Buffy decides to turn down Northwestern and stay in Sunnydale. And Willow chooses to go to Sunnydale, you, so she can so she and Buffy can be together. The mayor explains to Angel that things won't always be so sweet with him and Buffy, forcing Angel to make a difficult choice in the next episode. But the most uncomfortable choice is when Wesley argues the greater good is holding out. Okay. I just lost my train of thought while I was reading that. (laughs) But the most uncomfortable choice is when Wesley argues the greater good is holding on to the mayor's box and not sacrificing other lives to save Willow. Although Willow is the most important person in the group besides Buffy, maybe he has a point. We later see a few characters die because of the mayor's ascension, not to mention what happens to the school. None of that would have been possible if they hadn't handed over the box in this episode. It was a choice they all felt was necessary, but was it the right one? Highlight. Willow telling everyone she got into Oxford. That's where they make Giles's. (laughs) Um, Which is, Buffy technically said that. Um, Am I going to read all these? I guess so. Sure. Why not? Did you notice? So there's always these little segments at the end. Highlight. Did you notice? Nitpicks. Stuff like that. Did you notice the City Hall rooftop was the same set used for the library roof and Prophecy Girl? Yeah, it did seem like the same one. Nitpicks. Buffy says at the end that the mayor should be disregarded when he comments about Angel and Buffy's relationship, which is two and a half years old, because he's never been in a lasting relationship. Did she somehow miss the part when he said he was married to the same person for decades until she died? And as for Cordy working in the store, why is she the only person in the gang who actually has a part-time job? How do Willow and Buffy expect to pay for college? And who will pay for Xander's road trip? Are their parents, whom they all claim are so evil, footing the bill for everything? (laughs) Oops. When the mayor walks into the room where the gang is ready to make the switch, he acts like he's never seen Buffy before, but he's actually seen her on a few occasions. Band candy, gingerbread, consequences. That's a good point because I was thinking, why is he like, because he's like, oh, this is the little girl that's causing me all this trouble. And I'm like, really? This is the first time he's meeting her? But I didn't actually think back to the fact that he's met her three different times. Wow. Willow Wicca Watch. Willow performs a spell to remove the protective barrier from the mayor's box, and later she levitates a pencil to kill a vampire. Okay, 
And I just, I basically did that because I just like wanted to press record and I didn't want to read it beforehand. So you guys are here with me on research mode <laughs> because no matter what, I have several different Buffy books. I usually consult for each episode and I just didn't have it in me to do that today. But no matter what, I always read from that book. Okay, let's get into my notes. <laughs> I think I'm also just going to read my notes out loud to you guys in full. Um, and then I'll go back and comment. How about that? Choices. No earshot. The major is the major. The mayor is really bossy in this ep. That's my girl. He wields control just to do it. The jackal. Smell the knife, Faith. Buffy and Angel are in a rut. This is, I mean, just, this is just an example of what my notes look like. It's only two pages. So it's not going to be that long for me to read it. Too. Buffy got into Northwestern. Choices as to which college. Snyder thinks drugs are everywhere. B. That's where they make Giles's. X. Go ahead, mock me, Oz. I think she just did. All snap, Oz. They don't have a plot for Cordelia. Oz. This is that is an angry young woman. Minty mug. Giles is proud of Buffy. Buffy slip dress. What are you, the narrator? Vamp scared of Faith. Made him an offer he couldn't survive. Box of gaff rock. Maps and stuff. No one listens to Wesley. Xander mean to Cordelia. At the store. Okay, this is not actually interesting, so I'm going to stop there. That's just half a page. I thought it might be funny to read just my notes without any commentary, but it's not funny. They're just really boring, and they remind me of where we are in the story. So, Because I tend to not... I don't really like glom on to plot points very well but if I write them down then that way I can kind of linearly go through the episode when I'm talking to you guys okay let's get into it <laughs> I don't have a clock in this room so I have no idea what time it is right now I know that it's probably one o'clock or later and there's this crazy ass mockingbird that like if you hear a bird chirping outside you might be like she says it's 1 a.m., but there are birds chirping. Like, yeah, that bird is crazy. Luckily, I usually have enough white noise going on, um, knock on desk, in my bedroom that I don't hear this bird when I'm trying to sleep because that would be very distracting. Anyway, um, I really don't like the way that the mayor treats Faith in this episode. Um, I'm curious to see if this is just the way David Fury has chosen to write their interactions or if that is kind of an intentional choice because I mean in the past they seem to have a more of an equal relationship like he's definitely like he's the boss whatever but in this episode he's really controlling like he keeps telling Faith to do things and like he wouldn't let her take her knife back at the end of the episode because she had used it to like kill one of those big spider things from the box. And it's not like anybody would have like tried to kill her or something if she walked past them to get her knife back. And it's just like he's, it really does feel like he's wielding control over her just to like make sure he keeps her in her place. And that really bothers me um, because we're really supposed to believe that the mayor has a genuine love for faith and it's hard to believe that when he's saying things like that's my girl and just you know 
he tells her when she can open the present that he gives her in the beginning and it's just he's getting off on the control a little bit too much the dynamics of their relationship are creepy in this episode um the jackal i wrote the jackal because that's the name of the knife so this is faith's iconic knife that the mayor gives her and it's it's just really silly to think about like this is her iconic knife and she has it for one episode before you know buffy ends up with it and um yeah and then she ends up getting stabbed with it like in the next episode maybe no that's got to be during graduation day part one that's got to be so in two weeks fate's gonna get the knife back in her gut from buffy god that's gonna be an emotionally charged episode that's another day that i work too <laughs> but i'm going to like plan it better i'm not gonna be watching a three-hour movie um, I'm going to be much more present for, for that discussion, I promise. Um, and then I wrote Smell the Knife, Faith, because she really does when she takes it out. She just sort of, she's, she sniffs it. She really does. And I would do the same exact thing. <laughs> um, Buffy and Angel are in a rut. So, I mean, you know, in that description, the episode description I just read you, kind of makes it seem like the mayor pointed that out to them, but they already kind of knew, you know? Um, this is just when they're finally starting to bring it up because I think it is in the next episode that Angel breaks up with Buffy. I mean, basically the entire plot of the prom is just, you know, just that. Angel deciding that he needs to leave because that's the right thing to do. I mean, the mayor's not wrong when he gives that speech later. Um, so yeah, just this whole episode, I mean, they're really kind of hitting you over the head with the whole, everybody's got choices. What's everybody going to do with their lives? Like, of course, Xander's reading fucking Jack Kerouac. I mean, it's such a typical white dude thing, you know, like it's perfect. Of course. Um, that's exactly what he should be doing right now is like fantasizing about going on a road trip. Of course he didn't apply to colleges. Like I like that this show doesn't like try to make you think that Xander would ever even entertain the thought of going to college because of course he wouldn't, you know, I don't know. It just seems perfect to me. Although they didn't, at no point in this episode does Oz talk about his future at all, which is kind of shitty. You know, we get to know even Cordelia, who they don't even know how to fucking have as part of the plot anymore, even with her. Um, I mean, I guess eventually we're going to find out that Oz decides to go to UC Sunnydale too, but uh, he doesn't say anything about it in this episode. Um, Snyder's just a doofus in this episode. Um, I love when Buffy says that's where they make Giles's. I mean, that's the quote of the episode. Might as well just go ahead and say that. I should, um, write that down. Okay. Getting sleepy, you guys. Um, I really like the, when Xander's 
you know, he's talking about this whole Jack Kerouac business and he's like leaning up against a tree and reading on the road. And it's just like, it's hilarious. And he just says, go ahead, mock me. And Oz is like, I think she just did. <laughs> um, I just like that little Oz burn right there. Um, I just got to give a moment. I mean, I know I kind of already said it, but just a little bit of lip service to the fact that they just don't know what to do with Cordelia right now because she's no longer dating Xander. The only time she's around everybody is if she is flirting with Wesley or just insulting Xander. And my Michael pointed out something, you know, he is just as mean back to her. Like they've kind of fallen into their like pre pre-relationship dynamic of just trading insults with each other and I think that's the wrong choice because he should be feeling very 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 guilty still that he cheated on her with Willow like that particular thing doesn't seem to be having the right weight of consequences you know even even though Oz is very cool and he's very beyond his years and all that shit, as chill as he is with Xander, I mean, I, th I don't know. I would like to see a little bit more tension there because there would be. And I would like to see Xander holding back insults to Cordelia. Like he should just be taking it at this point. He should just be gracefully letting her insult him. Um, but he's not. Anyway, that's just, and I just, I feel like they really could have done better by Cordelia. I mean, this is the last we see of her in the series. We've got three episodes left of this season before she moves on to Angel. I mean, she's the main reason why I chose to watch Angel in the same context that I'm doing this Buffy project, because, you know, I like her. And she is, oh God, I'm not, I'm not going to get into her character arc on Angel yet because we're not there yet. But the series, Buffy, the series is not doing right by her right now. They're just not. And they could have found a better reason for her to show up other than just to antagonize Xander or flirt with Wesley. You know, they could have shown her developing a real friendship with Buffy back when her and Xander were still dating. They could have shown her actually building a good relationship with Buffy or Willow. She could have been around because she has a lasting friendship with one of them. Like, but she just, you know, they just show her as a lone wolf, which just doesn't make sense. Especially when we see what she becomes on Angel. She becomes such a, like a nurturing, caring person that just holds she's like the glue that holds the entire group together pretty much in Angel and if she had that in her I mean obviously they didn't know that they were going to pull that out of her they didn't know that that was going to be part of her character at this point but if they had known that it would be so cool to see her just having real female friendships with Buffy and or Willow but they just don't like I don't know like the disdain that everyone has for Cordelia, for it to remain, for it to go back to this space. I mean, they basically are back to the same dynamic as if she's just some random mean girl. 
and she isn't. She was a part of their group. They know that she is, has a lot more depth than just a random mean girl. Like that's a part of her, but they just, it's like they thought they could just take her back to that space. And I don't know, it's just shitty. Um, I used to think, I mean, it's too early to make this assessment yet, but I used to call season three, my favorite season. And it's just because faith is there and I really like faith, but I don't know, like so far in this rewatch project, I mean, obviously I've only done seasons one, two, and three, but one was so much fun and two just had, it had more depth, I feel, than this season, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's not time to think about that yet. We can do that when we finish the season. Um... I love how proud Giles was of Buffy whenever she told him that he, that she got into Northwestern. He just, he really was beaming. Um, I do not know what the fuck was going on with Giles's tie and shirt combination. His tie was really cool. It was like 70s orange and avocado green and diagonal stripes of like really cool 70s colors but his shirt was like a, like a sky blue color. Like it did not go at all. Like that tie should have been matched with like a mustard yellow shirt or something. I mean, anyway, and I did write down Buffy slip dress. Um, just because I'm just like, yeah, girl, do it. You know, if you got, if there's any point in your life when you got a body like that, wear a goddamn slip dress just embrace it. I mean, she looked great. <laughs> um, at one point, another good, when Faith like ambushes the guy that's delivering the box, um, she just kills him. And then that other vampire is like, you just killed that guy. Like, what are you, the narrator? I love that. Um, so she like gets the box, takes it back to the mayor. He's really proud of her because she killed the guy so he didn't have to pay her. Um, so that's a nice moment. <laughs> it's a nice moment just because Faith really is good at this shit. Like, the mayor's not wrong when he says that she takes initiative. Like, yeah, she's doing it for evil purposes, but she's doing a great job. She's, like, getting shit done. She's thinking quickly on her feet. Like, every evil guy should have a slayer on their side, you know? <laughs> Um, maps and stuff. Um, they decide, Buffy sort of decides, like, she wants to go away to college. Let's, I'm sick of waiting around for the mayor to do whatever he's going to do. Let's, let's just, you know, go for it. Let's figure out something. Let's take the fight to him. And, um, in the process, she tries to get this box back and, um, Faith takes initiative yet again and she kidnaps Willow. So it's like the mayor's super pissed because they took the box and Faith just sort of comes in with, yeah, they've got the box, but we've got Willow. Um, I kind of jumped ahead, but that's okay. Oh, I, ha I had to write down Angel can't lift Buffy because he like lowers her down to get the box of Gavrock 
and then with like some kind of pulley system like she's strapped to a harness and then he the pulley gets stuck or whatever like why wouldn't he just start pulling her up by the ropes like she's a tiny little woman she probably weighs like 110 pounds like a vampire that's super strong like angel can't lift her up i mean that was just like a little bit of like could not suspend my disbelief on that one um, oh, I really liked, okay, so there's that big argument, like, when they're all back in the library and they're discussing what they're going to do. And Wesley's trying to say, well, we can't sacrifice, you know, everyone, possibly thousands of people, because they knew that the mayor needed this box for his ascension. And they had it. So they, and they had the means to destroy it, too. They had a spell all set up that Willow, you know researched and had all ready to go and all that which this is like the first time that Giles did not initiate this a magic spell process like I mean I think Willow's tried to initiate this kind of stuff before and she's definitely helped with spells before but this is the first time that Giles didn't initiate the process and he didn't protest when willow was trying to do it like she had a diagram she knew all the ingredients like she organized this shit and he did not protest um so they had everything set up they were ready to destroy the box and they're all arguing and i i liked that you know it wasn't even a thought that buffy was going to sacrifice willow um so much so that she and it was like she was standing up for Oz. Like she knew that he wasn't going to say anything. Um, and she was literally standing in between Oz and Wesley. Like she was ready to like, she was saying all the things that she knew Oz was thinking because Willow is that important to the both of them. And they're all yelling at each other. And there's then there's that great moment where... You know, Oz is just sitting there the whole time. He's just sitting there, contemplative face, you know, while everyone's yelling at each other, arguing about whether or not it's worth it to save Willow whenever, you know, the mayor is going to ascend if he gets this box. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that they needed for the spell was like this big, you know, cauldron thing, spe specific cauldron thing. And Wesley's like, well, we have everything that we need to destroy this box. And we need to destroy this box and blah, blah, blah. And Oz just, without a word, stands up. And everyone just watches him. Because, you know, like, he's doing something. What the fuck? Oz is doing something. Um, he just gets up, walks across the room, and smashes. Like, picks up that cauldron thing and smashes it against the wall. Like, we're not having this discussion. We can't do it now. We need that in order to do the spell. So obviously we're going to save Willow. So there it is. And I really liked that moment. As I'm sure everyone watching this episode would like that moment. Um, Willow stakes a vampire. At first I was thinking, is that her first one? But it can't be. I know she did whenever Buffy was gone for the summer. Um, this may be the first time she alone stakes a vampire and she did it by levitating a pencil how cool is that um 
And then I wrote, Books of Ascension are in English? <laughs> because, so Willow, this is really smart. This is what makes Willow the most valuable player of the episode. She, you know, she's been captured. She, after she stakes that vampire, vampire, she, you know, goes exploring. She ends up in the mayor's office and she just sits there. Like it, like one could assume that she was probably in his office for maybe an hour. I don't know. Cause they kind of, I mean, they don't really hit you over the head with it, but they kind of do like a little fading shot where like at, from the moment that she got the first book out and then there's like a little fading shot and then she's got like, she's surrounded by like six books. Um, in fact, it might've just been a commercial break. I don't know. Um, so you get the impression that she had some time with those books. So, I mean, that's really brave. I wouldn't have been that brave to like spend an hour with some books whenever I could get away. But that was a really cool thing of her to do. And if she hadn't done that, it's possible like the information that they get from those books from her doing that is possibly what is needed to defeat him in the end. I don't know. I can't remember, but probably. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, then Faith catches her in the office and starts threatening her and all this shit. And Willow's like, hey, I want to talk to you. And Faith's like, yeah, I know. You want to save me. It's not too late. And then Willow says, oh, it's way too late. And I think that was cool of her to say that. I think that was the right moment to say something like that as much as I love Faith, but I think she should have stopped right there. Um, because after that, she just gets mean and you see a little bit. It's interesting. Like this is the first time, like we've seen Willow, like stand up for herself or stand up for other people. We've seen like bossy Willow a couple of times up to this point, but we've never seen just mean Willow. And the way that she acts in this scene when she's going off on Faith, um, this isn't the right word for it because it hasn't happened yet, but it's reminiscent of, <laughs> um, it's a foreboding factor. It's, there's a word, there's a word, but anyway, it reminds me of the way that she acts in season six when she has gone evil, you know? Um, she just, she, she gets awful to such an extent that like, you know, Faith ends up just hitting her and knocking her to the floor. Um, she just gets cruel. Um, but I think whenever she said, oh, it's way too late. I mean, that really hit home with Faith. Like you see her react to that, like, oh shit, they really have given up on me. So there, which means that there was something in her still that held some, I mean, she obviously still holds some attachment to them because she doesn't like it when the mayor talks about Buffy at all. You know, she's sensitive to that. And I don't know, that moment, it, of course I hate it when faith is hurt, but I don't know. I think that was a powerful moment when she said, oh, it's way too late. If she had just stopped there, that would have been great. Um, 
Oh. Okay, so when they decide to call the mayor to make the trade, to give him back the box to get Willow, Willow, they decide to meet in the cafeteria for some fucked up reason. Why didn't they just go to the mayor's office? I don't know. Whatever. Um, so, a couple of crappy things happen here. The mayor decides to body shame Buffy. He says to Angel, she's, she's pretty, a little skinny. Um, so that's shitty. And then Angel comes back with, you know, cause the mayor says something like, I don't know why you couldn't make it work with my faith. And then Angel says, I like him sane, which is wrong on so many levels. First of all, that's a low blow to faith. Somebody that, I mean, when you know how nuanced and, you know, how much character development, how much nuance, how much real respect and love Angel and Faith will have towards each other in the future throughout the series of Angel, in the comics, blah, blah, blah. Like, Angel genuinely is a huge part of Faith's, you know, character arc. You know, like, they end up being, like, I'm sure they have a better relationship than he and Buffy ever did. Like, I don't think it's ever romantic, but, um, thank God. I hope not. I haven't read everything between the two of them, but I hope not. Um, like, that's just such a shitty thing to say. And I realize he was doing it because he was, he still feels guilty for all that, you know, him pretending to be Angelus a few episodes ago. And, you know, he's saying it for the benefit of Buffy to, to make sure she knows how loyal he is to her. But it's still just such a low blow. And also not true. He doesn't like them saying he drove Drusilla crazy before he turned her into a vampire, not only because he liked watching her suffer, but because he enjoys her that way as well. So not true and a low blow. So that was crappy angel. Yuck. Um, then the mayor serves the tea, you know, tells them, um, you know, what kind of life can you provide for her? She's so young. She's a blossoming young girl. You can't give her anything she needs in this life. You're immortal. She's not, you know, all this shit. Um, which is, you know, this is a fun scene because, you know, somebody evil is, you know, calling you out, telling the truth about your situation that they both know, but they're not willing to admit yet. Um, it's a cute moment. It's just kind of like, first of all, why does he know everything? Like he even goes into like, you know, obviously you can't have a moment of happiness because then you'd lose your soul and become evil and kill her and blah, blah, blah. Like, why does he know all of this? I mean, I guess because faith, right? So that makes sense. Actually, that makes sense. Faith probably just told him all that shit and she knew all of it because she was a part of the group, even though they never really told her anything and they never let her in on anything. Somehow she picked it up because she's really fucking smart. She takes initiative. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, and this is the moment, like I already mentioned it, but 
the Faith ends up throwing her knife across the room uh, when one of those spiders gets out because Snyder interrupts everybody and then the spiders start getting out of the box and blah blah blah. It was going to be a straight up trade until Snyder showed up. Um, yeah, all of that. But, you know, then he won't let her get her knife. He's like, Faith, come on, let's go. I'm serious. You know, he's just, which is one of like, four different times times in this episode he's just like throwing his weight around with her just it doesn't seem necessary like she's there to help him she's loyal to him like why is he being such an ass to her i don't i don't get it anyway he's acting too much like you know it's an authoritative father to her and that's what's so gross about that dynamic dynamic um, and then that cute scene towards the end where Willow and tells Buffy that she's gonna, she's gonna go to UC Sunnydale and Willow and Buffy's like, well, don't do that for me. And Willow's like, not everything's about you, bitch. <laughs> but, um, that was a cute moment. Um, we don't get enough of those, you know, just sweet little friendship moments and if we ever get them it's almost always between Buffy and Willow like we hardly ever get sweet little friendship moments with any other two characters which is sad you know um, I guess sometimes you get sweet friendship moments between Xander and Willow sometimes you get them between Buffy and Xander but like never between Buffy and some other female character you know it's just always Willow um which is just, I don't know, that's just a sad fact. And I really like when Willow says, because Buffy's like, you can't do that, I won't let you. And she's like, of the two people here, who is the boss of me? <laughs> I want to just start saying that in, in regular everyday life. Um, and then, oh God, how much they're laying it on thick that like Cordelia's working in retail. You guys, her life is so pathetic. Like they're showing her like really lusting over this dress and she's holding it up and then it's revealed at the end that she's actually working there. She's not just shopping there. Um, it's a little much, you know, for anybody that, you know, anybody that's in the working class, that's just a little bit like we're really I mean we feel bad for her because she's suffering in silence because she is alone like she really doesn't have anybody right now like every time she just like pops up to insult Xander she's by herself she doesn't have her friends around her anymore like hardly ever and you know you can tell that at this point she's sort of rudderless she doesn't know what she's doing she's had a taste of the world that isn't just about her and about being popular and all that shit. And now she's trying to go back to that world, but it's not really working. And I don't know, they could have just spent so much more time, like really developing her character, but instead they chose to just, you know, have something happen with her daddy's money and now she has to work in retail and that's how they're choosing to like give her some character because she has to work for money now. I mean, that's fine. And that's pretty much the entire catalyst for why she decides to move to LA 
and why she doesn't go to college um, and why she runs back into Angel and ends up, you know, all that stuff. And that's what they're setting up right now. But just the way they're doing it is sloppy. I don't know. And I'm just like, I feel like in every single one of these podcast episodes, I'm like, and here's a character I like that they're not writing well enough. They're not giving us enough backstory for like, okay, calm down. And then the very last scene is, um, Buffy and Angel in the cemetery. They've got like a picnic blanket and they're just like cuddling in the cemetery late at night. And they're both just like, I don't know what the mayor's talking about. We're going to be fine. Yeah, we're going to be fine. And then, obviously, neither of them believe that. Um, which is good. I'm glad I'm glad the beginning of the end is starting for them, finally. Like, I don't like them in a relationship together. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, the arc of their relationship made sense up until the point up until amends, the way that their relationship went, the way that they, you know, whatever, vampire slayer, vampire and slayer, fall in love, they boink, he loses his soul, he tortures everyone, uh, he goes to hell, he comes back, she kind of nurses him back to health and she's conflicted about the whole thing, but they decide that they're not going to be in a relationship together even though they're still attracted to each other, and then he threatens to kill himself. Oh, oh, first she decides that she is for sure walking away from him and she's going to need to spend some time away from him. And then he threatens to kill himself and then they resume a relationship for a few months before he realizes he's being a selfish bastard and leaves. I think if it could have, I think I just wish amends hadn't happened, honestly. You know, if they had stayed on the trajectory of, you know, her deciding to leave him, her deciding to take some time away whenever she made that decision before amends, I think if it could have stayed in that space and he could have, he could have still done the same thing. He could have stuck around. They could have had some sexual tension because they obviously still care about each other. He could have even still decided to leave because it's too hard to be around her all the time without this whole, like, whatever it's been, like, seven episode arc or so that they've been kind of back together again when it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Anyway. This is when Mixtress rewrites Buffy. Like, that's how I would have done it. I would have done so many different things. I mean, this season could have had so much more time to develop Cordelia's character more, to deal with Faith. I mean, even if they wanted to have the general arc that they're having with Faith, they could have done it in a way that gave more respect to her as a character. You know, we could have had so much more time for other things if they hadn't spent so much time on fucking Buffy and Angel. <laughs> like, that was last season. We did the whole Buffy and Angel thing. And it's not working anymore. So I'm so glad that it's finally, you know, the next episode he's going to be like, I'm leaving as soon as this Ascension thing happens. Then they're going to go through the whole graduation day part one and two. And then he's leaving for L.A. 
fucking finally. And every time there's like a crossover episode with, you know, Buffy going over to the Angel series or vice versa. Like, it's fun. Like, it's dramatic. And they sort of make fun of how dramatic the two of them are when they're together. And it's fun to have that every once in a while. It's it's fun to have the Buffy Angel drama sprinkled in every once in a while. But the way it's just like, ugh, I'm so done with them. I've always been done with them. Um, anyway, everybody hates on season four, but I'm excited about it. It's going to be a fun one to recap, especially because there's a lot of really great standalone episodes in that season. Anyway, we're not there yet. Um, so that's basically the end of the episode at this point. Um, so let's get into my ratings. Um, I do think that this was overall an important episode. It It's basically just a, you know, a furthering the plot kind of episode. Um you know, this is just moving things forward. This is just lining everything up for, I mean, really the last three episodes of the season are all pretty epic. So this one sort of just sets things up and then we're going to knock all that shit down in the next three episodes. So I will be back next week. Our next episode, we're going to talk about the prom on May 11th. So let's get into the ratings. Ep or outfit of the episode is pay attention next time you watch this episode willows like the dress she was wearing throughout most of the episode it's like this mauve velvet dress and it's i it's got some really intricate patterns on it like it has i think it has the whole wheel of the zodiac on the front and it's got some like sacred geometry symbols on the side it's like a very like velvet mauve 90s wicca dress it's just like man it's a good dress and her ass looks great in it it does i noticed that <laughs> um object of affection of the episode i always like to pick an object that i could pluck straight out of the episode to own for myself uh even though we're gonna see it again i mean it's gotta be jackal Faith's knife. And I know that you can get like a plot replica of that particular knife. It is a huge intricate ass knife. That's one of those things that like, um, I don't know. There are a few different things from Buffy that if I were going to like get a plot, plot replica, am I saying plot replica? Set replica? Like what do you fucking call it? I don't know. If I were to get something like that, Number one, I'd want it to be Buffy's scythe from um, season seven, but close number two would be this jackal knife. I'm not super into like crazy ass knives, but this is one that, you know, would be a fun one to like display on the wall in, in such a way that you could grab it off the wall and cut someone's head off if you needed to. You know, it's fucking huge. You probably could cut someone's head off with that knife. Um, so yeah, that's my object of the episode. The quote, like I said before, is when Buffy says, that's where they make Giles's, when Willow was talking about how she got into Oxford. Uh, most valuable player, I already told you guys, was Willow. I mean, she really, like, of the two people that really take initiative in this episode, it's Faith and Willow. And they face off for a moment. Um, so Willow 
Willow's pretty cunning and she, you know, she did some spells in this episode. She squared off against Faith. Um, she read those books of Ascension. She took some pages out of them. Like she was ballsy in this episode and she had that awesome Wiccan dress. I mean, that has to be part of the ballsiness, don't you think? Although she did pair it with a really ugly jacket for a bunch of the episode. It's like, come on, girl, with that kind of dress, you could have worn a much cooler jacket over that. <laughs> anyway, plus they're in fucking California. She was wearing a long sleeve velvet dress. She probably didn't even need a jacket. Okay. Okay. Five by five ratings. So I like to rate based on the treatment of women, um, out of five. And then also the just overall enjoyment of the episode out of five. So treatment of women. Um, I think despite the fact that Faith is infantilized and sort of talked down to by the mayor, she is shown as making her own. Well, she isn't really shown making her own choices because she's doing whatever the mayor wants her to do. So that's no good. Um, no points for that, I guess. Um, you know, she's really thinking on her feet a lot of the time. She's still doing mostly whatever the mayor wants her to do. Buffy is, Buffy's in the plus column. Like, you know, she's the hero of the show. I don't think she's really being treated badly as a woman in this episode. Cordelia is not treated that well. Willow, she's taking initiative. She's getting shit done. Okay. So eh, I call it kind of a draw. Like it's, it's a two point. I don't want to do 2.5 cause I don't want to do the math. Let's call it a three. Three for treatment of women out of five. And then the overall enjoyability of the episode, like, it's not a particularly exciting episode. It's just, like I said before, it's really just setting shit up. And, I mean, that needs to be done. This is a furthering the plot episode, and it was perfectly serviceable. Um, there were some moments that just, like, really? You can't lift Buffy up yourself without that pulley system, Angel? Really? Um... But overall, again, it's just kind of a draw, like perfectly serviceable episode. I would never call it one of my favorites. It's one of those episodes that whenever, like until I listened to the buffering, the Vampire Slayer recap, which was the first, which is usually the first thing I do before I even watch the episode. I listen to that on like a Wednesday or Thursday. And before that, I wasn't entirely sure what the plot of the episode was. You know, it had like almost every episode of Buffy, you tell me the name of it, I can tell you the plot. But with this, choices, I was just like, uh, what? Choices? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a bad naming of the episode too. Like, and sort of the ham-fistedness of the, of like, there were several times that characters actually said, I'm so happy you have so many choices. What are you going to do? Which choice are you going to make? Like, it was a little bit much. Um, so, I mean, it's not a great episode. It's not a particularly memorable episode. There's some memorable moments in this episode, um, but it's not bad. So again, it's a draw. I'll give it a three. So this episode five by five rating is three by three. So that is nine. <laughs> Nine's my favorite number. Um, not my favorite episode, but Nine is my favorite number, and that is the score.
Um, I hope this wasn't totally ridiculous. Um, I would not have gone to see Avengers Endgame today if this had been like a super important episode. Like even next week, The Prom. The Prom is an important episode. Um, <laughs> on my calendar, I have like my calendar this year is a bird calendar and I was just looking where I'd written down that the prom is the episode for next Saturday and apparently next Saturday is also International Migratory Bird Day. Wow! <laughs> so I'll see you guys again on International Migratory Bird Day, otherwise known as May 11th, where we will talk about the prom and luckily I'm off that day so I will have all the time in the world and energy to devote to giving a proper discussion for this awesome episode. Um, I'm pretty excited about, I, I remember only good things about next week's episode. I mean, obviously there's the devastation whenever Angel decides to break up with Buffy, but that's a necessary pain and I'm ready to rip that bandaid off. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. I'll see you guys next week. Same Okay, wait, that's that's what I say on the radio show. No, I'm not going to say that because it's not going to be the same bad time or same bad channel. Same bad channel, yes, but time? No, because I'll probably up upload next week's episode way earlier than... I don't even think I'm going to upload it tonight. I don't think I'm going to upload it until s tomorrow. So, yeah, there you go. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you next week. Do you hear that, Mockingbird? It's a fucking crazy motherfucker. It's like two in the morning right now. <laughs> anyway, bye.